This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Lead Without Limits, the podcast that explores how your mind and soul energy, together with your actions and intentions, impact your leadership presence and bring heart and consciousness into your life. Join your host, certified business and life coach, Stefania Rigo, as she brings you stimulating conversations with women who lead in business in their community. And as she gives you the wisdom you need to help shape the future of society and our planet. Now here's your host, Stefania. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. This week in the Transformational Tidbits segment, I'll be diving deeper into the topic of leading from the heart. That's coming up later. First up is the Lead Without Limits featured guest interview with Cindy Villanueva. I'm so excited to have Cindy as a guest. I can barely contain myself. (laughs) Cindy has two great passions, marketing and martial arts. She fulfills both of these passions as an entrepreneur. She's the founder of Knockout Marketing Strategies, LLC, and the owner of Ernie Reyes West Coast World Martial Arts Studio in Austin, Texas. I don't know how she finds the time, but she's also adjunct faculty at Concordia University, Texas College of Business and Communication, where she teaches undergraduate and graduate business courses. Today, she's gonna talk to us about setting intentional culture in your organization. And let me just say that I haven't known Cindy Long, but I already know that she personifies a leader without limits. Cindy, I'm so excited to welcome you and to have this chat with you today. Thank you. So tell us how you define intentional culture. Yeah, the whole idea is, and thank you so much for having me. This is delightful. Uh, The idea behind culture is that regardless of the size of the organization, culture is going to develop. And you are better off if you are deliberate about how you build that culture rather than just letting it come about because you may not get what you want. And so the idea behind intentional culture is that at Knockout Marketing Strategies, we offer workshops for leaders of organizations of various sizes on how they can be very deliberate and plant the seeds of a great culture that's going to benefit everyone from an economic perspective, from a business perspective, and from a people perspective. You want your your people to have the opportunity to succeed. That's fantastic. So um, define uh, or explore for us more why culture is going to happen. I mean, it's just a given that it's going to happen. How does it form organically, um, whether you're intentional or not? Such a good question. So imagine that you're in any kind of a group. You're in a family, you're in a group of friends, you're in uh, your department at work. 
you get to know people's personalities, you get to know their work styles, you know the things that are important to them, their values, their goals. And what ends up typically happening is that the stronger personalities sort of take over. And so perhaps your vision doesn't entirely align to that person, but because there's nobody putting any guardrails around that and saying, this is the direction we're gonna go, we tend to go, it's sort of the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of an idea. And so the idea idea of imposing, and that sounds kind of negative, but I mean, being deliberate about the culture that we want to have that takes into account everyone, and not only just personalities and work styles, you know, like I maybe, I'm, I love working late at night, so you'll often find me two o'clock this morning, back this morning, two o'clock this morning, I'm, I'm working on another book, and I was writing at 2 a.m., but I don't expect the people on my team to do that. But what happens is that in the absence of some guardrails, people sort of tend to follow along with the stronger personalities. And that may not necessarily get you what you want, what's gonna be best for that organization. So my point is that it's better early on, I mean, at, at the onset of an organization if you can, but certainly at some point is to take stock of where you are, and to decide, there's five pillars of culture that I talk about, and decide on an, an answer for each one of those pillars. Bring your entire leadership team together, recognizing that as a leadership team, whether that's one person or that's 10 people, recognize that you have a responsibility. And the, the metaphor I use is gardening is that it's, you are responsible for gardening your culture. Because imagine if you have a field that has a ton of flowers and trees and this and that, and it may be lovely, but it's, it's chaotic. And what you want is a groomed garden. Well, you have to impose some structure. And so that's what intentional culture is about, is being very deliberate about what are those five pillars? And as leaders, how do you make sure that um, the culture that you're building is successful for everyone. Wow. You know what's striking me about this? I have been coaching uh, leaders for a long time and um, have had quite a few guests on my podcast and a lot of conversation with women about leadership. This rarely comes up. It's so important. You know, it's, it's important that you have people who are proficient in whatever their particular discipline is, right? I have to be a proficient marketer. I need proficient, I, my CPA better be proficient, right? I need somebody who's going to manage the finance as well. At my, mar at my martial arts studio, I need proficiency, martial arts proficiency. My instructors need to know how to teach kicking and punching and that sort of thing. But if I neglect the culture of my organization, what I will find is that I'll have some instructors who are very, very strong personalities, who, want to, who see things a certain way, who maybe come from a really old school background in martial arts where, you know, it's my way or the highway, it's very hierarchical, it's yes ma'am, it's a lot of bowing, it's a lot of seriousness. Then you might have some people who come from a more contemporary style who, you know, everybody's going to get a ribbon and we're all going to be happy. And, you know, as long as you're here for three years, I'm going to give you a black belt, neither of which is a healthy culture. So how do I decide what I want my black belts, because that's sort of my outcomes that I'm looking for. What do I want my black belts to look like? 
what do I want them to represent in terms of, yes, martial arts proficiency, but leadership, empathy, integrity, honor, respect, all of those values. How do I inculcate those into my organization? Will I have to be very deliberate about how I build culture? Right, right. So um, this is something that I work with with my clients a lot in terms, you mentioned the word values, right? Value statements about the business and belief statements about what, how these values impact our actions. Uh, can you mention uh, to us what the five pillars yes. just by name are? Yep. It's shared vision, shared values, respect, trust, and commitment. Awesome. And tell us more about at what point in, an, let's say you're setting up your business from the beginning and you're writing your business plan. I would see this as being, I would recommend absolutely. clients integrate this as part of the business plan, right? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And you bring your leadership team together. And I've done these, you know, in two hour workshops or half a day workshops, whatever. But you bring in your team. And as I said, we use this metaphor of gardening. And the whole idea is there are four steps. Once you've defined find those five pillars and everybody's agreed on those five pillars that this is the direction we're going because you know if you think about shared vision if 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 we all get into the car even if just the two of us got in the car and we said hey you know what we're going to the beach and you've got it in your head that we're going to San Diego and I have it in my head that we're going to Cape Cod we got a problem we don't have a shared vision we think we know we both understand we can define beach but we have a very different vision for that beach. Our values have to be the same. For you, you're looking at, you wanna spend three days lying out in the sun reading a book and you don't wanna be bothered by anybody. I wanna go around and I wanna see all the historical monuments and I wanna put my feet in the sand, but really beyond that, I just want to sit and visit. And So we have different vision, we have different values. If those don't coalesce on a leadership level, you're gonna have problems with your culture right from the very, very beginning. So the first step is to coalesce around those five pillars, make sure that we all agree. What does it mean to respect one another? How do we build trust one, with one another? And how do we understand what the commitment level is at the leadership level for that organization? You know, if, if somebody comes in and goes, look, man, I just want a paycheck. You know, I just want to do some work and I want to be gone. And other people really have a sense that, you know, this is my life's work. This is something I'm really passionate about. Those are two ends of the spectrum, right? Most people fall somewhere in the middle of that. But we have to coalesce around those five pillars. Once we do that, then we look at the role of the gardener and that leadership team as gardeners. And so we have four different steps that we go through, one of which is plant, then water, fertilize, and prune. And pruning is the tough one, but planting is deciding what those pillars are going to be. That's that first process, and that's heavy lifting. That's a lot of discussion and heavy lifting. The second thing is once you've decided on those five pillars is watering. And water is what allows plants to thrive. And one of the things that we neglect so much is praise. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we talk about with the leadership team is that you want to be looking for opportunities 
to praise people, to validate them, to confirm that they are, in fact, aligning to those five pillars. So one of the things I tell people, and I say, you know, this isn't meant to be trite or to be, you know, juvenile, but when my kids were little, and, you know, they're all grown now, but when they were little, they went to a school that had uh, a program called Caught Being Great. And the teachers had these little coupons that they kept in their pockets and the kids would be out at play or, you know, recess or lunch or in the classrooms or whatever. And they would see them doing something where, you know, they helped another child or they went and played with somebody who didn't have any friends or they were, you know, they cleared their mess or whatever. And they would give them this little ticket and it said caught being great. And they would put their name on it. They would put it in a box. And at the end of the week, they would pick one and that child and of course nowadays this might not be such a great idea but back then it was they loved it this child got a chance to go have lunch with the principal in her office and they got mcdonald's Uh and they got their little happy meal they got to sit and have lunch with you know mrs smedley i'll remember her name forever but the whole concept was that instead of always looking around for what's wrong they were really primed to look for what was right. And as leaders, we need to do that. If you want to build culture, it's not enough to just go, hey, you know, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You have to say that was right. And we need to identify it and we need to publicize it. We need to make sure that people know, hey, I was with Stefania and she did this fabulous thing. And you know what? She helped her colleague when she really didn't. It wasn't part of her job. But, you know, it's part of our culture that we, you know, we're one big family. We work together on pro- and, and it's public. And now you feel great. You've been recognized. And we've reinforced that pillar with everybody else because now they know, you know what, this wasn't lip service. This isn't a poster on the wall. This is for real. Right. And I was thinking about that, the poster on the wall. <laughs> We're talking. How many of us have seen organizations oh. where, you know, they hire a consultant uh, they, they, uh, or a coach, they come up with this great, you know, uh, values, mission statement, value statement, culture statement, and then it's put on a poster on a wall and never practiced. Yeah. And I love your emphasis on celebrating the successes yeah. uh, because we know that we attract more of what we see. So I think exactly. two points you've made that are real important to me to emphasize are once you've set the culture, it has to be kept alive. Yes. And yes. it's kept alive by the leadership top down and it's kept alive by the behaviorally by the leadership recognizing and celebrating when the culture is represented. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's the watering. Um, the third one is fertilize. And fertilize is a little bit tough when you think about, you know, the stinky stuff, right? What happens when we have a garden and we, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's a little lackluster or we want more blooms. We don't, you know, just smile and sing to it. <laughs> we go and we get the manure and we work it in. We don't sprinkle it on top. We work it in. You know, you roll up your sleeves. There are times that you have to have those difficult conversations that you have to say, hey, you know what, Cindy, you missed the mark there. Um, We needed to have this proposal in by seven o'clock and for me to have to call you at 645 to find out 
where it was is, is, is absolutely not acceptable. We have to have conversations that are difficult. And particularly as women, we struggle with that. And one of the things that I do with my clients is that we'll make a list of 10 sentences. The first sentence is super easy. Hi, my name is Cindy. I can say that all day. Doesn't affect me in the least. Sentence two maybe is, you know, I'm, hi, my name's Cindy. I have green eyes. Okay, great. Still, it's just facts. But we get progressively more difficult. I might get to a point where I say, you know, hi, I'm Cindy. I have green eyes. I'm going to be 59 this month. And, um, you know, something that's, that's more difficult for me to share. And we get progressively, and, and I craft the sentences based on whatever their business is. But the last sentence is going to be something that's really a struggle. Something like I'm looking at someone and saying, you know what, Cindy, I have, I've worked with you now for six months. We've tried very hard to work. We've had these plans. You've not committed properly to doing what I've asked you to do. This is not working out. I don't believe you're the right person for this job, and I am going to let you go. And being able to deliver that in a very business-like way without your heart pounding, without your hands sweating, without you having to look around and not, you know, that's a skill. And that's a skill that can be learned. And that's fertilizer. And I would say it's a skill that we absolutely have to learn. There's a fabulous book called Candor. Can't recommend it enough. And it's specifically around that. It's that you buy the grace to be able to deliver those radically candid conversations when you've proven ahead of time that you care about people, that you recognize goodness, that you're communicative. Um, and so fertilizers are really important part of building culture because here's the thing if you and I are on a team say there's 10 of us and we know there's one person who just is not pulling her weight she's just not doing she's made commitment after commitment and yet we can't count on her it drags the entire organization down if the leader will not step up and say I'm sorry, you know, you, you can't be a part of what we're doing anymore because it's, it's just not right. And so as we go through these 10 statements, what I ask my clients to do is, is they have to look at me, they have to, they have to say the sentence and it tell me at what point do they start feeling uncomfortable? And you can tell, you know, they'll kind of start looking off, you know, or they start getting a little bit wiggly or, or, and so we practice and their homework is they have to find somebody who they trust and are comfortable with and read those 10 sentences until you kind of desensitize yourself. And the idea is not to be able to go, look, you're not cutting it, you're out of here. That's no better. The idea is to be compassionate and business-like and objective and to be able to say to another person, I'm sorry, I have given you these opportunities. We've been mapping against these for the last 30 days. You've not fulfilled your end of the bargain. To be able to deliver that in a loving and compassionate way, knowing that not only are you talking to that person, you're talking to everybody in the organization who right. says, that's a leader I can trust because she's got our back because she wants what's best for all of us and isn't afraid to face up to the fertilizing that has to happen, which leads me into the last one, which is pruning because mm -hmm. there are some times that you have to say, 
you are not working or this process is not working. You may have been really, really invested in this process and you recognize, you know what, this does not serve us. And so even though we built this whole build culture and we said this was going to be one of those things, after six months, I'm recognizing, you know what, this is demoralizing. And I'm going to have the courage to stand up in front of my organization and say, you know what, I made a mistake. And what I've recognized is this does not serve us. And as a result, we are going to eliminate this. And I guarantee you it's going to be, you know, that applause is because people don't admit their mistakes. They don't cut their losses. They don't make those kinds of leadership decisions that people are just longing for. And when you have a leader who cultivates, who is a gardener of culture, what you end up with is a, 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 an organization who is loyal, who works 10 times harder, who invests so much more, who is not one of those big, you know, 30% that are disengaged at work. But these are people who are engaged, who love what they're doing, who understand that there's meaning behind what they do and that they, they are following a leader they can trust. Wow. Very powerful. And Cindy, um, I work with a lot of individual entrepreneurs that Mm -hmm. have small teams, but work with a lot of outside vendors and um, uh, cooperative partners. Yes. And I'm thinking that this conversation and uh, uh, intentional culture has to be set whether you're a solopreneur. Yes. Or you have an internal team, which is what you've been speaking to mostly. As a solopreneur, we have to uh, look at who we hire to represent our company. And it is vital, right? And I have these conversations with my clients all the time, that it's vital that our vendors, those we form cooperative agreements with, those we hire to fulfill our company's need, understand our culture. So it is just as important for a solopreneur to go through these five pillars and these steps and be clear on intentionally setting their culture so that they can then be responsible for communicating and applying, again, the celebration, the recognizing the wins, and then the fertilizing and weeding of the garden and the courageous conversations with the people that we work with to support our clients that are not engaging in that culture or meeting that those cultural expectations. Yeah, you're, you're, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I think a lot of it with a solopreneur comes down to boundaries. Mm. Once you have established those five pillars for yourself, you establish those boundaries and People will honor them or they won't honor them. And that's when you decide to do the pruning, right? Is, is right. those who will not honor those boundaries, right. then those people need to be pruned because then it becomes a brand conversation. And one of the other things we do at Knockout is we do a lot of brand strategy work. And the idea is that every single thing you do is building or diffusing your brand. And consistency is what builds brands and dilution kills brands. And if you have somebody who is not representing you well, they are diluting your brand, which is destroying your business and they need to be chopped off. Right. And I remember once, by the way, I love your gardening analogy (laughs) and, and how you, the metaphor and how you use it. 
uh, more a metaphor than an analogy, actually. And I remember yeah. once being in my gar in my garden and plucking weeds, and um, I was getting some help. I had a, a, a landscape guy I worked with that was helping me with some heavy lifting, and I was going, "Oh, all these weeds, all these weeds!" And he was kind of a Zen kind of guy. And Michael looked at me and said, "Stefania, you cannot have a garden without weeds." Oh, wow. So we do always get to the point yes. as leaders, if we're building an organization, regardless of the size, yeah. that um, we're going to have to be courageous and own our intentional culture, not yes. just have it as a poster on the wall. And that means having that fertilizing and weeding, uh, as well as the celebrating part of the. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've distilled it well. It's been a fantastic conversation. Uh, this thank topic you. is so important. I really uh, thank you, Cindy, for being here. You're truly, besides being informational, you're quite inspirational to me. Uh -huh. I would like to, uh, first of all, um, ask you if you had to give our listeners uh, one action step they could take immediately to um, kind of look at their company culture, and whether they, they have one that needs to be revisited or don't have one, where's a good place to start with all of this? Yeah, great question. I would say the first thing is to determine whether or not you have that shared vision. Take that very first pillar and take a look at the people around you. Are you all marching the same direction or are some of you going to San Diego and some of you going to Cape Cod? And if you're going in different directions, that's your first clue that, you know what, it's time to take a deep breath, bring folks together and start establishing the ground rules around how you're going to be very deliberate about building the right culture because otherwise it doesn't matter how brilliant you guys are, how everyone in your organization is firing on all cylinders. If your vision is not shared, it's all for naught. Yeah. And the client's going to pick up on that too. Right? Very, very true. For very sure. True. How it impacts our clients is always the most important thing. So yeah. I know our listeners are, want to go, are going to want to know more about your program, yeah. and your business. Can you share with them how to reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so you can check out my website, which is komarketingstrategies.com. Um, you can also see me on LinkedIn. Uh, at knockout mrktg and also um on twitter and uh you can reach me uh, you know i'll give you my email address it's cindy at komarketingstrategies.com fantastic again thank you for your time thank you for sharing your wisdom and bringing such practical and very important uh, information to our audience. I really appreciate you, Cindy. Absolutely, my pleasure. And can I just give one quick plug for the book? I would love to get for you to give a plug to the book. Since you mentioned you were up at 2 a.m. writing. Oh, yes, so that's another book that oh. I'm writing. But we ju I just co-authored a book with, uh, and you know Laura, well, uh, Laura yes. Wall very well. Um, there were seven of us women entrepreneurs. It's called Finding Our Wings. And it is all of us, and we're all in very different businesses, but all of us sharing one chapter. I wrote the introduction in chapter one, and all of us sharing stories of times when we've had our feet knocked out from underneath us and how we've come back. And 
um, built these great businesses. So um, that book is launching on Kindle on September 17th. And I would be delighted for any listeners to uh, check it out. That is awesome. And I personally know uh, two of you that have written oh, chapters in the great. book, you and Laura Wall, and I know how amazing you are. So uh, I know Thank it's you. a project, a passion project that y'all poured a lot of heart and time yes. and energy into. And I, I myself am planning on being at the launch party and oh, celebrating that with you. And I encourage our audience to hear more about that. Hello, everybody. This is Stefania Rigo. I'm the host of the Lead Without Limits podcast, and this is your transformational tidbit segment. Today, I'd like to expand on last week's topic, which was leading from the heart. This is such an important topic uh, that I'm going to actually dedicate a series of tidbits to the subject. So if you want to go back and listen to last week's tidbit on episode uh, seven, I uh, went ahead and defined what leading of the heart means to me. Today, I'd like to suggest some of the qualities we embody when we show up as heart-centered. So when we feel heart-centered, we feel compassionate towards ourselves and others. We feel connected to ourselves and others in a deep way that's authentic and vulnerable. We are humble. We're empathic. And our mind is quiet. We feel calm, physically, emotionally, and mentally calm. And because of that, we're able to be present in the now. So here's an important question. Why is it important to show up as heart-centered? Why does it even matter, especially in leadership? I believe when we feel heart-centered and connected to ourselves in these deep ways, we're able to tap into our intuition. We trust our intuition and we tap into it openly. That gives us then clarity whether we're trying to create a new product or have a difficult conversation, we get clarity around how we need to focus on um, whatever it is that we need to tend to uh, during our personal or business day. And very importantly, when we are heart-centered, we're really showing up at the highest level of being a servant leader. And I know we talk about servant leadership a lot these days. Next week, I'm going to talk about how I believe self-care is foundational to being able to embody being a heart-centered leader or person. And I'm really excited about that episode. So please tune in next week for more. I hope that this episode has brought you value. I hope you'll explore what being heart-centered means to you and that you'll want to connect with me personally to have a more in-depth conversation about this topic or any topic at all that's important to you. Please go to my website at stefaniarigo.com and click on my calendar to schedule a complimentary conversation. You can also find me and I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn 
as Stefania Rigo, Stefania Rigo coach, Stefania Rigo business coach. And if you have a comment to make about this podcast, I'd love to hear about that too. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead Without Limits. Each week, we bring you stimulating conversations with women who lead in business and their community. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Lead Without Limits, go to EWNPodcastNetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. Until next time, remember that as leaders, we have the power to shape the future of society and our planet. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here today to lead without limits in your own life. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.